Hi guys, welcome back to season four, episode 10 of Melanco Prom Podcast. And today I am going to indulge everyone who was born in the 90s. I am really 80 myself. We're talking about the popular franchise in I would say in video game history, besides you know the main RPG action one is Dumbrell Please. Pokemon. Now, yes, um, Pokemon has been along for a long time and it's still going with, you know, most of it's, we're on Gen 8 now and there might be rumors of a Gen 9, not sure yet, but they are doing a remake of Pokemon Pearl and Diamond. So that's interesting to see. Um, and today I'm talking about the 10 legendary Pokemon with the best lore. Um, if you played the franchise, you know there are a vastly number of legendary Pokemons and you know, there's tons of lore about them. So I thought we should have tackled the fun and mysterious lore of the fantastic Pokemons in the franchise and the large part of their very compelling and intriguing lore. Um, so let's get started. Legendary Pokemon are one of the most mightiest and exclusive Pokemons in the franchise. They are some of the most intriguing and much of their lore remains vague. Memories of these beings lie hidden in the depths of their home regions or forgotten by the passage of time. This mysterious this mystery this mystery makes them fascinating compelling creatures adding an extra layer of complexity to the very vast franchise and legendaries add a touch of mysterious to every region in the pokemon world and enhances every game in the series and the show all legendaries are fascinating in their own right but some of them outrank others in terms of love and backstory now number 10s the sword of justice the sword of justice takes inspiration from outside dream novel the three musketeers with each pokemon in their quarter reputation upon the night years before generation b games of the trio colbine Terico and Rears say witnessed the burning of the forest as a direct result of a human war. The three protected Pokemon but couldn't save the forest. Finding an open Pokemon Kaldo, they adopted the group, becoming the moderation the modern iteration of the swords. Um, within the Pokemon world, the swords act as protectors of other uh, Pokemon, challenging humans who pretend to steal their environment. Um, it's the purpose that makes them stand out among all the other legendaries, because the sword of a Pokemon is equivalent of superhero protectors of the do- uh, valuable fighting against human greed, and they are the heroes who always stand out for what they for what is right, chivalry in every sense of the word. Um, then you have Logia and Hoho. Logia and Hoho take on the inspiration from the legend of Rinju and the Phoenix, respectively. Considering they are polar opposites, they are the Johto's most emblematic Pokemon. Legend had it that if they live in one of the best places in the Pokemon world, Eureka City, atop the base, the bra- top of the brass and bell tower. After a lightning struck and burned down the brass tower, the duo separated. Hoho is the guardian of the sky, associated with the suns and rainbow, and on the contrary, Logia is the protector of the seas, living uh, reputation of the storm. Still, they manage to coexist peacefully despite their differences, and that's what sets them apart. They are the balance necessary for the world to function, perfect representation of the contradiction that makes up the universe. Uh, and then the guardian deities. Based on the Hawaiian Alola region marks a clear departure from the franchise. Each of the four islands in Alola has a guardian in charge of protecting it. Mili has Tobacoa, Akea has Tobalia, Ulea has Tababu, and Pony Island has Ta- Tapufina. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Sorry if I am butchering it. Um, what makes these legendaries stand out from the majority of the display? They each they once fought each other, wreaking havoc across the region. Witnessing the destruction, they felt shame and decided to make peace, assume protection for the islands. However, they still practice 
friendly sparring occasionally, facing each other to see who is stronger. All the deities take inspiration in totems from their design, while the coloring corresponds to their respective islands. For example, uh, Tabakoa's color scheme is yellow, and Mili is Hawaiian for yellow. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if I'm not. I'm trying my best with these pronunciations. Um, Eternuus from Short and Shield are nowhere near being the best game in the Pokemon franchise. However, their main Pokemon antagonist, the mighty Intruinus, is one of the best legendaries in existence. Inspired by the legend of Arthur's uh, Penadragon, who adopted a grown-up symbol after witnessing a dragon-shaped comet, Eternuus is one of the few Pokemon that came from outer space. Um, that's really intriguing and a little fun fact. Um, according to the Galilean myth, Intrigues Crassland are on Earth around 20,000 years before the game. Intrigues is the source of the dynamic of the Dimax dy- phenomena in Glare, making it indirectly responsible for the region's current supremacy. Uh, beyond the importance of the Pokemon world, Intrigues is living proof that Pokemon exist in outer space, introducing new and exciting possibilities of this very vast and and growing franchise. And then you have the legendary titans. Honan's legendary titans take inspiration of the golems of the Hebrew legend. The most famous version of the legend involves uh, Judah Lebel ben Basil, a 16th century rabbi from the Pregu, who creates the golem from clay to defend the city from anti-Semitic attacks. In Pokemon, Arceus creates Reggie Ross, who pulls the cotton into place using a rope. Then get led to Titans Regga Rock, Regga Steel, Regga Ice, using powder rock, ice, and magma. Their powers were so vast that humans locked them away, leaving a braille inscription as the only clue to awake them. Even in modern times, the inhabitants of the whole region speak about them with apprehension. The Titans live up to their name. Like the best creatures of the myth and legend, they both inspire both fear and awe. This is why fans kept coming back to them. They pretend, leave them alone. <laughs> it's like Hercules, leave them alone. <laughs> uh, legendary beasts. The beasts have arguably the most compelling backstory of all legendary Pokemon in this franchise. Riku and Dane Suiku were originally the Pokemon who perished in the fire. Some have theorized they're the three evolutions of Eevee, being uh, Suiku represents Vaporeon, um, Entei represents Florian, and um, no, Riku. So, and then we back up. Suicune represents Vaporeon, uh, Entei represents Florian, and R- Raikou um, represents Jolteon. There we go. Um, and they're, they're based on the Pokemon who perished in the fire that destroyed the Ekra base brass tower. Um, Hoho brought them back to life, with each of them resembling an element of that event. Um, Raikou stands for the lightning that struck the tower, Entei represents the fire that burned it down, and Suku buys the rain that ended the chaos. A popular fan theory is the Vaporeon, Dothel, and Florian. And even though this claim remains unconfirmed at the time, it still added an extra layer of mystery to the Maya Trio, and they do have a movie based on them as well. My Pokemon series of the shows, they have movies based on their lore as well. Um, it kind of think for the Legendary Beast Trio lore, it's still very fascinating. It can make a whole worthy entry in the Pokemon series, which it has. But the movie that focuses on the Beast Trio, it just solely focuses on Entei. But I think it could also focus on the other two too, because they are vastly important. But um, next is the Super Ancient Pokemon. Now, if you play the series Pokemon uh, Omega Red and Alpha Sapphire, um, it ties to those legendaries. Um, 
They are known as the Weather Trio. The super agent Pokemon are the creators of the physical world. Each one represents a layer of the Earth. Rayquaza embodies the atmosphere, uh, Groudon, the lithosphere, and the Kyogre, the hydrosphere. The latter two are sworn enemies and engage in a fierce class that could potentially destroy the world. As the trio of master, Rayquaza is the only one who can stop them. Kind of fitting how every time in the games, if you played them, especially the original Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, Rayquaza is always the one who stops them. No matter which version you get, Rayquaza always stops them. Especially if you get the Emerald version of the Game Boy Advance game, Rayquaza is always the one who can always calm them down. Because these two can see not fight each other when they see each other. And then based off the Hoenn legend, recognizes their importance of the world as a whole. Indeed, these Pokemon are arguably the most powerful of all the legendaries. Their strength are so primal and raw that it has no comparison. They're their lore only adds even more appeal to their narrative, even placing them as idols in both human and the Pokemon world. And then you have Necromanza. Necromanza is perhaps the most challenging boss in any Pokemon game. This being comes from the older space and needs light to survive, stealing from others if necessary. Um, Necroman takes inspiration from the physical concept like a black hole, neutron stars, and light refraction. Um, what makes this Pokemon so fascinating is it's represented as a villain and it rules over the Ultra Megalopus, which is known as the Blinding One. Necroman could just throw the light on others in ancient time, but lost the ability after battling the Ultra Recon squad that it counterlifted, it injured, and fractured the inspired travel across the dimension, arriving at the Pokemon and becoming Alozi Crystals. Um, Necroman is blatantly a valid Pokemon living in a constant pain because of its complete state and the lack of light in the ultra space and then you have the trion trios from pokemon black and white series the legend of this univa dragon is one of the most popular in the franchise it tells the story of two brothers one who stood for ideals and the other who stood for truth the difference that leads to their mutual pokemon um counterparts the unnamed dragons is split into two Reshiran and Zekaran each side with one of the brothers, setting up for truth and idea respectfully, and many fans believe that the Unipa Dragon should have been the next entry of the Pokemon Legends, but they weren't. Indeed, the story is significantly compelling to support the entire game, but could answer for some of the lingering questions. And the third member of the trio is Krumrum. It has origins of its own. Unova believes that it came from the outer space and here it became a legend that portrayed it as a man-eating monster. Tang and Trio took interest from the Chinese philosophy. Rushman represents the Yang, Zephyr represents the, the Ying, and Kuran represents the Wang or the after of Yang or Yang. And then you have the creation trios. Diaga, Palkia, and Garatina are the closest thing the Paradise has to the Pokemon gods. Each of the members of the creation trio presided over a dimension. Palkia and Diaga controlled space and time, respectively. Before its part, Cartier represents an antimatter and ruled over this distortion world, where the laws of physics does not apply. And you played Pokemon Platinum, you understand. Like, I played Pokemon Diamond, and I'm just saying, if I had to face Diaga and Giratina in a game, I feel like my dad would have lost, no matter what level was at. Unless it was at level 100, I think I could stare my, my best bet against Giratina, but... And I lost my Pokemon Diamond game for my DS, and I'm so sad about it. But um, getting back to the lore, um, these mighty dragons created the flow of the universe. They predicted every Pokemon except for Arceus, making them vital to the, for the very existence of the Pokemon world. It's impossible to understand the importance or the creation of the creation trio, but it's very definition of the legend. Their myths come to life, their perfect marriage of fantasy and reality, and fans hope the franchise will further explore the lore because of the upcoming Gen 4 remake of Brilliant 
Diamond and Pearl. And they tend to add more stuff um, to Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. Especially with these remakes. They did that for Pokemon um, Classical Eevee and Pikachu. But there are some Pokemon Legends that we're forgetting. We're also forgetting, um, you know, we do have Arceus. And no surprise to anyone, Arceus made the stronger side. Being the god of Pokemon who also created the universe. Arceus has incredible, impressive power level. Arceus excels in combat by taking advantage of tight weakness, resistance, and immunity. With the capability to switch his type on the go, Arceus will be able to land the bug, dark, and ghost types. Attacks Mewtwo is weak as against. And Mewtwo might be able to get in one or two hits in, but Arceus type chains would also mean that Mewtwo's attack would also hit at a very low or zero damage. And then you have the level Mew. Mewtwo is a clone of Mew. While Mewtwo's savagery and raw strength might give Mew a run for its money, the little legendary still managed to come out tight. During their battle in the first movie, Mew seemed to have fun the entire time they were fighting. This suggests that if Mew were to go full force, it wouldn't be much of a competition. Furthermore, Mew has the DNA of all Pokemon inside of its body, allowing it to transform to any other living creature. And I feel that with Palkia is the deity who commands over space, he can, well, yeah, he can warp reality and send people to the other dimensions. His battle with Diago was so tense that the two of them had to be sent in their own dimensions so they wouldn't harm the rest of the world in the process. Palkia's power as a dragon and immense ability means the, that it wouldn't be able to stand with a chance against it. Dakia, Darkrai had tried to stop both Pokemon and one in the movies, but soon defeated by both. We imagined Mewtwo would suffer the similar fate, and with Diaga. Um, both Palkia and Diago would probably be able to beat Mewtwo on their own. Palkia with its own control over space, but Diago control over time. That feat alone would allow Diago to mess with Mewtwo and manipulate its surrounding. Furthermore, if Mewtwo managed to get a single hand on Diago, it would have to do it in reverse time to get a better than Mewtwo strategy. The saw mentioning how far Diago hits each time it lands attack. And trust me, when you have a Diago on your Pokemon team, it is OP. It's OP if you raise the right level. And then you have like the storm Pokemon. You have Tordatus, Thunderous, and Landorus. Having control of the, the weather is more than enough to make any Pokemon extremely powerful. Mewtwo can manipulate the weather with its psychic abilities, but Tordatus, Thunderous, and Landorus have command over it. Couple that with their dream for that makes them even more powerful. These three have a real shot defeating Mewtwo in the game, but they pose a serious threat. Imagining a similar thing happen in universe, however, they would all probably have to work together. Then you have Calparus. Um, this Pokemon, you know, is once the king of the Gala region, and they this poor Pokemon Sword and Shield, and it's one of the few Pokemon capable of taking on Mewtwo in a fight. Calparus' base form may be better designed for peace than combat, but this ruler has a few tools that become a formidable opponent. First, Calparus has the ability to see the past, present, and future. That means Calparus could see any plan Mewtwo before he could strike. Additionally, this Pokemon can bond with Ice-type Glacier or the Ghost-type Scepter. Um, I think also with all these Pokemon, they have their own, like, knack and abilities that if they were to face each other, I think none of them really would stand a chance because they are so powerful. Then we have Deoxys. Can we just say that any game that Deoxys is up to, no matter what Pokemon, besides the Master Ball, that's an easy, cheap win because of Deoxys. Because I will say... My roommate had to help me catch Deoxys because he wouldn't stay in any of the Ultra Ball. And as soon as I had my roommate, boom, they caught it in an instant. And I'm just like, they just give you the basketball just for a cheap shot to win, just to easily catch the legendary. You can't catch it with any normal Pokeballs. But I 
has been proven. You can't get to legendary without having these to master ball. You can't do an ultra ball, a great ball. You just have to get a good their health down enough just to catch them. I feel like if Deoxys and Mewtwo got in a fight, it'd be fairly close. I feel like Mewtwo has been shown to be a victor in the manga, but despite Deoxys' ability to swap between four different forms on a whim, Mewtwo outmatched Deoxys with his sheer psychic powers. Mewtwo's attributes are more than capable enough to keep up with Deoxys' form changing, meaning that the alien just doesn't have the stuff to deal to defeat Mewtwo. Jax's tricks would, however, ensure that its fight goes down to an absolute hair, but, like, you know, there are so many vastly different, like, Pokemon that their own legendary feats have their own history and their own regions that they come from. And, you know, I just feel like all of these legendary Pokemon, like, they all stand their own and they're very inspiring. Especially, um, we didn't tackle Celebi. Celebi does have the ability to travel through time and it doesn't have command over it like Diaga, but it does travel through time. Celebi would keep its wounds that would allow it to fight it to win the fight against Mewtwo, but I feel like Mewtwo's ability to far exceeds Celebi. If the two were forced to fight with no retreat, it wouldn't be long for Mewtwo to come out on top, but it would also, without counting the fact that Mewtwo can Mega Ball, in which battles would be over much, much, much faster. Poor Celebi wouldn't stand a chance. Um, but I think, you know, saying that, discussing the lore of all the Pokemons and, you know, the other ones that I mentioned, I think with this friend of being as vast as it is and always expanding and always coming with new things that, you know, we're going to be introduced to more legendaries or focus more on the lore of the previous Pokemon that we've dealt with in the past that it's something to look forward to, especially with the remake of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. I've been seeing a couple of trailers that are adding a new, new, um, places and environments we haven't seen before, especially in the old games, if you do have the old game, or to my old game, but I'm excited to see what they change or add on more lore of the Legend of Pokemon Pocky and Diaga, or if they're going to mention Giratina in the remake of Brilliant Diamond and Shiny Pearl, but we just have to wait and see if the game comes out, which the game comes out very soon, it comes out November 19th, so we'll just have to wait and see what the gameplay looks like for these fun new adventures of the new Pokemon series, but thank you for tuning in to this uh, podcast episode of Season 4, Episode 10 of the Pokemon series, and I hope to see y'all real soon, but until then, bye!